Welcome to the Rambling Ranger podcast, episode 14. Uh, my name is Luke Taylor, and today I'm joined by a fellow SCRA council member and also a full-time ranger, uh, Mike Holmcomb. Uh, how are you doing, Mike? I'm doing absolutely fine, Luke. How are you doing? I'm very good. I'm very good. I'm excited to talk to you because, to be frank, I don't know a lot about you, but I have known you for quite a while uh, through SCRA, so... Uh, I'm looking forward I to am you. The, the enigma that is Mike. <laughs> the enigma that is Mike, which a lot of people that do know Mike knows him as that. Yes. Um, so yeah, I'm just ready to get into get into how you kind of started off as a ranger and then your work just now, because be that the kind of the west side of obviously the country. Um, we've we've talked about about um, my former role with local authority, but um, I'm interested to hear about sort of the place that you work. So I think um, again, it's quite different to many of the other. Uh, country parks and places that we've talked about so far on the podcast so uh, if you want to just introduce yourself Mike to begin with and then we'll get into it. Yeah so I'm, I'm Mike Holcomb, uh, Senior Park Ranger at Clyde Muirshire Regional Park uh, which is based on the west of Glasgow, uh, the west side of Glasgow on the south side of the, the Clyde. It's the largest regional park in Scotland and I've been here for ooh, eight years now. Wow. Uh, previous <laughs> to that I was a full-time ranger for Newcastle City Council and prior to that, I bounced around all over the country doing seasonal posts and volunteer work. It's a bit of everything. And yeah, eight years. Um, I mean, it's quite funny because knowing other rangers that have been in it 10 years plus, for me, eight years is a long time. But do you feel that's a long time for yourself? Or Honestly, yes, because it's the longest job I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> Just the way it works with this gig, you know, it's like one minute you could be doing a seasonal post or you might have a fixed term contract or... You know, it's just for the summer. You know, there's, there's so many different ways of doing this job. Um, so to get a job that's full-time and permanent, um, yeah, yeah it's, totally. it's, it feels a bit strange, but I don't feel like I've been here eight years. I, it's just whizzed by. <laughs> no, I mean, it's one of those things that's different. It's nowadays, imagining yourself in a full-time post for eight years almost seems like it never happened or it's quite difficult but no meeting people like yourselves that has been in it for that amount of time um it's it's interesting because you've got obviously a completely different perspective of the role and um something something we'll talk about and uh the positions that you've you've jumped about in. um of course you mentioned that you've originally came from you originally from down south i don't think i've ever clarified this. no I've, no i'm a born into a military family so we moved right. around a lot Got you. Uh, but we finally sort of settled in Newcastle. So if anybody asks where I'm from, I'll just say I'm from Newcastle because it's just easier to answer that way. Of course, of course. Do you want to maybe talk about that then? Oh, blimey, where do I start? Uh, so yeah, uh, I was born in the, the south of England. Um, my dad was in, in the Royal Green Jackets and he took posting over in Germany. So I actually spent a lot of my early years overseas, which was fantastic. Wow. I have these very passionate memories of... of playing in these amazing woodlands and mountains of Germany which I just thought was normal I just thought that's what you do <laughs> uh, and then I, and then we saw sort of, my dad sort of came out and we, we moved back to England and, and then I realized how unusual a childhood it was I suppose to have that freedom um, and just wandering around these woods and, and countryside because we moved to Newcastle and we're very much a, a suburban setting which was a total contrast to where we'd grown up in sort of rural Germany did that um, perhaps spark your then interest into conservation and well just because of the lifestyle we let we led i i was very much under the impression that men grew up and joined the military right um, because oh. that's what my dad did that's what my some of my uncles did it's what on my dad's side it's what my uncle did on my mum's side it's what my grandparents had done so there's a long history of military service and so up until about the age of 13 i really did think i was going to go into the military and then at about 13 or 14, when you start thinking about things, just that little bit deeper, I was like, I really don't like the idea of getting shot at. <laughs> um, uh, I, I love being outside. I love going up hills. I love being in the forests. You know, is there not a job I can do that I can do that? Mm. Um, and, you know, sort of with the, the, the sort of the inquiring mind of a 13 year old, you're looking at all these different types of jobs that you can do. And I remember, I don't know whether they still do them, but they do these sort of aptitude tests. 
Right. Ask you all these questions about what sort of job you should do. Oh, yeah. And I, ans yeah. I answered all the questions and it came up military. I was like, well, I'll do that. And it was like the police. Well, I don't really fancy that. And then it was like prison warden. I was like, no, no. And I got down into sort of conservation warden. I was like, well, that sounds interesting. Right. And so I started looking into it. I was like, yep, that's the job for me. 13 to 14 years old. I'm going to be a part ranger. <laughs> um, and I remember going to the careers officer and saying, I want to be a part ranger. And he went, what, like Yogi Bear? And it's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, I guess that's where it's going to be. <laughs> so, yeah, from about 14 years old, I knew I wanted to be a part ranger. Wow. I mean, yeah, it still hasn't very much changed with the whole uh, Yogi Bear and park ranger concept <laughs> of America as uh, <laughs> as we've explored. But, um, no, that's really interesting. Yeah, that whole military mindset. And then I'm surprised, actually, that you were able to find the, the conservation uh, warden or whatever, um, that kind of that niche um, when you work down that list uh, with your was it career was it like a career advisor or it was like a career day so, yeah it was one of these questions right. you sort of answered questions about the things you like to do and, and it was, it was like, I just remember there'd be loads and loads of questions you crunch them all into a, a very old steam-powered computer back in the oh. day and then it churned out this list of, of things that you could potentially think about doing as a career um, yeah so that's really what kind of got me really into it um, hmm. And then not long after that, uh, I was in Scouts at the time, right? and I was old enough to start volunteering at my local Scout camp, which was only about 20, 30 minutes cycle from where I was living. Okay. Um, a place called Gosforth Park Scout Camp, which unfortunately no longer exists. Um, but they did a thing most weekends where they would have teenagers, so Venture Scout age. Uh, so that's sort of 15, 16 to 20 or whatever it was. Yeah, 15 hmm. to 20, I think it was. Uh, where you could go and volunteer and you would be there you sort of arrive Saturday morning or go down Friday night and you'd work all day Saturday stay over the Saturday night and then you'd work all day Sunday and it was it was donkey work it was moving bricks it was you know digging drainage ditches it was scrubbing <laughs> toilets it was you know pulling leaves out of guttering and all that kind of stuff uh, basic estate maintenance um, and eventually, the, the more you got there, the more experience you would get. Then they would give you a you know, chance to use saws and, 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 and strimmers and all that kind of stuff, you know. And I was like, yeah, I really like this sort of work. It's so satisfying. Um, and so that really did cement my mind that conservation was the, the route that I really did want to go down, you know. Yeah. So obviously through your, your scouts and your volunteering experience there, how did that kind of lead on to then the, the ranger work? Because I know certainly was it very much different to to nowadays or was was there a, a similar path or route yeah i mean it's, it's a bit funny isn't it the english educational system you know you're expecting sort of kids to do the the gcses or the word gcses when i did them um at 16 and kind of have an idea about what career they want to do because mm, what career you want to do dictates what a levels you choose mm. and what a levels you choose dictates what you can do at university of course so it's like that that choice that you make at 16 very much dictates almost your career path you know yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so i remember I, I chose biology geography and english which seemed english just seemed to be a good catch-all um so i was sort of geared towards doing an environmental deg degree um and then eventually when i did go to university i did environmental management okay um and i loved the course it was really interesting um my only sort of comment uh, negative comment on it would be that it was very academic management yeah. side of things as opposed to countryside management courses mm. nowadays where you do a lot more fence building drainage ditch building tree planting you know that kind of stuff mm. uh, but it was really interesting because we did we did law we did politics um you know we did a whole host of different sort of ecological services type um uh, modules we even looked at like earthquake and disaster relief you know so it was really quite an interesting wow. course and um at the end of that i took an opportunity to go work in america for the summer uh, at the world the world's largest scout camp in new mexico and I fantastic i teaching rock rock climbing during the day and then during the evenings i would do environmental uh, guided environmental walks which was absolutely amazing yeah um, and then after that came to an end i had some friends in vancouver from friends of the family so i went to stay with them and uh, they happened to know somebody who was working on a, a forestry project so I ended up involved with that uh, in the Rocky Mountains which was pretty amazing wow. and then of course that time came to an end I came back to the UK thinking 
I've got my degree. I've got <laughs> years of experience of helping on scout camps. I've done, you know, I've done this in America. I did this in Canada. I'm going to walk into a job. Mm. And then the reality of <laughs> the Ranger <laughs> career smacked me in the face because I was going for interviews all over the country and I just wasn't getting the jobs. Um, and every single time it was like, we love your enthusiasm. We, we love the fact that you're, you're, you're so keen, but you just don't have quite have enough experience compared to some of the applicants or, you know, which is, you know, it was just so, so frustrating and heartbreaking. Mm, I can imagine. Um, yeah. And then eventually I got a, the first post I was offered was actually with the forestry commission. Right. And the, the only downside to it was it was a three year contract, but you're only going to be working for eight months of the year. Mm. And I really wanted to take the post, but when I tried to work out the economics of where am I going to live? How, what am I going to do for two months to pay for rent or whatever, where I'm going? And then within that time frame, when I was thinking about it, I was actually offered another post on an organic farm. Right. With, came with accommodation. So <laughs> full-time job with accommodation. I was like, straight out of university, I want a job with, a, with accommodation. So I turned the Forestry Commission job down. I went and worked on this organic farm. Wow. So, Do you think an education, um, an education officer? Yes. Yeah. So I recall, that's the one thing I recall we had a conversation about, um, which I was really interested in because you came out of that kind of environmental qualification after uni and then what I didn't know is all the experience you got in America which is I'll need to ask more about later it's really interesting um but you've ended up in a less of a ranger type role and more of a engagement type of farm position um which would have been obviously very different to then the the forestry commission role that you you may are it's just one of those fate things isn't it you may have ended up down that path or that path but you obviously at the time the farm one seemed more um eligible yeah well it's those nights when you just can't sleep and you think what if and i just yeah. wonder what if what if i'd taken that recreational ranger post with the <laughs> forestry commission all those years ago um yeah i mean the, the, what i found was that i wasn't really lacking for the practical skills just because of all the volunteering I was doing, you know, I'd, I'd volunteered with the BTCV, uh, or now the TCV. I'd volunteered for the local wildlife trust. So I, I felt like I was all right with the practical skills. Yeah. And what I found that I was lacking was the engagement skills. Right. Um, and so, you know, with scouting as a scout, as a well, all the way through scouting and then becoming a scout leader, I was fine. I, I felt confident with with groups, mm. but I didn't feel that that was enough. And so right. the, what I found with the, the farm job was as an education officer, that was all I was going to be doing. And it was, it was getting inner city kids from London to this farm on the outskirts of London and, and talking about conservation, talking about the, the ethics of it, organic farming um, and, and just getting these kids out into the countryside. Mm. Um, and so that then led on to another post, which then led on to another post, which then eventually led to a full-time permanent post. <laughs> so I got there eventually. Yeah, um, no, of course very long-winded way of getting here but yeah yeah i remember the the first i'd, I'd actually given up hope uh, i'll be absolutely honest with you because I, I was doing seasonal work and i was struggling to get a full-time permanent post and i actually started to retrain as a primary school teacher wow really because <laughs> <laughs> i just thought I, I love working with the kids it's brilliant it's very satisfying uh, but it, it just i was indoors every day and that, i didn't like it and any excuse to get the kids out of the classroom i took and um and then a post came up with Newcastle City Council. And my mm. wife said to me, you're going to go for it. I said, well, they had, they, had two, they had three posts on offer. They had a full-time permanent post uh, as a ranger, a full-time permanent post as an assistant ranger, and a, I think it was a two-year contract job as a ranger. So I thought, I'll apply and see where I go. And I thought, at the very least, I might get offered a, a temporary two-year one or an assistant ranger post. And um, they rang me up to say they were inviting me in for interview just for the the two-year contract oh. and I went away and I thought about it and I was like two years down the road I'm going to be looking for a job again and I'm I was getting to the stage where I'd, I'd just be, got married I didn't really want to be moving around the country anymore and so I reluctantly phoned them up and said listen I really do want to be a ranger but I can't do this you know I can't be looking for work in two years time they went oh no sorry we made a mistake we're actually interviewing for all three posts so I went well in that case I'll come down for an interview <laughs> so <laughs> I came in for the interview and they rang me about a week later and said they were offering me the full-time ranger post wow. and you could have knocked me over with a feather I was so shocked because <laughs> I thought you know to get that was like the ranked post was the ranger post with the assistant ranger post so I was totally. blown away 
Yeah. Uh, I had a fantastic four years with Newcastle City Council Ranger Service. It was brilliant. Well, we'll touch on it, but I, I'm interested in, if you don't mind going back to kind of the, the agriculture work that you did in engagement. Because right. it's, yeah, it's a point that really interests me because um, having worked with uh, one of the first podcasts I did with Jane Craigie uh, and the director of the Rural Youth Project, um, her, our whole conversation was about um, kind of the ranger work that I do and her background and experience in agriculture. And she highlighted a point to me when I first met her last year of the crossovers within professions and industries and how ranger work and conservation ties in with agriculture. And it's interested me ever since. And I remember speaking to you about this and my mind slightly being blown that you were describing to me something many, many years ago that I was, I was looking at to see if it existed uh, today. Um, so what kind of engagement farm type role did that entail? Uh, you mentioned being engagement heavy and getting local people from London on the farm. Um, yeah, how, what, 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 was in, what did that job involve? So the farm was, um, it was almost, I don't wanna say it was a model farm, but because it was so close to the, the city of London, it was kind of an almost an ideal location uh, to be used as a sort of soil association demonstration farm of mm. of what organics capable of doing and 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 how it's done and and kind of trying to get people to think about it with new eyes and I think the the easiest way to do that is to is to get grab them while they're young you know yeah. and sort of pull the kids in so that was kind of what the focus was was get these kids to the farm and make them realize how food is produced and how that how the land is worked to provide the stuff that goes on the plate and it, it sounds so cliched but you know I was talking to these kids and they didn't realize how e uh, chickens laid eggs yeah. <laughs> and, and taking out these group of inner city kids and going out and collecting the eggs with them from all the 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 the, uh, the coops that were in the fields you know they loved it you know mm. and then we'd, we'd hold off feed and the animals in the morning until the the kids arrived and you get them off the bus and then you know the animals would hear the rattles of the food buckets and they'd come charging across and the kids would actually get to see you know livestock up close you know and um you know a lot of them you know after the the initial ooh and ah in you know we didn't shy away from the fact that it was a working farm these weren't pet animals and as much as we looked after them and as much as we cared for them ultimately they were for the plate yeah um and we, you know and i thought it was really important that kids know that um no know. absolutely there's a scheme currently uh, farm to fork in scotland um that's um, that brings kids to um, like so our, my local college with SOUC and uh, gets local kids involved and kind of goes through that process and as you said it's amazing I think even if kids didn't know that back then certainly nowadays being diluted by technology and everything else it's you probably kids know far less than what even they did uh, during those times do you think that's mm. a concept that I'm, I'm not too sure if it's still uh, I've heard of these kind of example farms or you called them kind of like a mock not a mock farm but like a model farm yeah, demonstration yeah, yeah. yeah center for kids to come so it's um i wonder if it if, if there's any other uh, downside or um any examples here in scotland um or if something like that could potentially um i think it, it i don't think it would work for every single farm no. i think you know obviously i'm, I'm speaking now as a ranger so I'm, I, this is all hypothetical but I, I think any farm that was within a sensible commute for a school group to go to mm. it could potentially work on you know the, getting kids out of the classroom is just so important for for real you know outdoor education is 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 it, it's how do you put it i mean it's just so important it should be it, and i like the fact that it is an integral part of the national curriculum in scotland now the curriculum for excellence yeah but i always feel it could be better of course <laughs> you know there's always yeah. there's always more to, more reason to get the kids outdoors you know <laughs> um but yeah i think any farm um or any outdoor space that's within a distance of a school should be used um i think near where we work now we're mostly surrounded by by sheep farms uh, sheep right. farmers um but i mean that there could there used to be a scope i think where one of the rangers that worked where i'm working now prior to me starting she worked on one of the local for oh, she was married to one of the local farmers so she used to regularly engage the kids mm. and take them to the barns to see all the lambs being born right right um, I think it's really important because you know food doesn't appear by magic you know no. <laughs> there are people out there making it and producing it and it's a bit like all the outdoor industries you know yeah absolutely. some things that are done by foresters by farmers by rangers this work that just sort of always gets done unnoticed yeah um, so totally. anything that raises their profile i'm totally up for you know yeah and then those kids experience as everything goes back to them their parents and 
the, the cycle kind of continues. No, I liked um, in a podcast uh, with Jeff that would have came out before this, um, he mentioned if you catch kids young, uh, that's it's really important, uh, as you highlighted as well, because it's what they then take off, uh, take mm-hmm. uh, forward uh, in their future. Like, I mean, it's just a simple thing. Like, we do guided walks here, and you know, it, it's sheep, it's hill farm, it's all sheep. Mm. And a lot of the sheep that we have here are Scottish blackface, and yes. they have horns. And the amount of times that you'd be walking with a group, and the parents go, Look at the rams, <laughs> and you're like, there's no rams here. If there was a ram here, I wouldn't be walking through this field. Or, you know, if there's rams here, you would know there were rams. <laughs> it's just because they've got horns. And yeah. you know, this is adults. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's just this, you know, so many things like they, well, the, the, they call um, pine cones acorns. Yes, yes. It's Very like, common you know, one. Yeah, and you just think, my goodness, you know, the sort of things you take for granted when you do this job that you see the stuff every day or you're around, around it every day and then you realize actually there's so many people that just don't get that opportunity <laughs> and no, in a totally. way we are lucky to do this job um at the same time i just wish more people you know we could we can reach more people you know yeah um, the, the outreach is a, a huge part of it um what then did your i suppose job and what did you get out of your newcastle role that then brings you obviously into your current role today what um what did that was your <clears> first kind of ranger well full-fledged ranger role wasn't it it was, yeah. Um, so the, with Newcastle City Council, I looked after four sites. Wow. Um, t- two of them were nature reserves. Uh, so it was like a country, a country park near Newcastle Airport uh, and a nature reserve near Newcastle Airport. And then we also looked after a, I don't know what you call it, it was an ex-industrial area that had been bulldozed and landscaped into a sort of a, an urban park. And then we were also responsible for the long distance walking trail Hadrian's Way. Right. Um, so the, I say we, there was me and my partner, Neil. Uh, we looked after that. Um, it was enough to keep us busy. We were sort of driving around Newcastle <laughs> every day, between, bouncing between sites. Um, incredibly interesting job. We, I think the, the, the big difference was is in that role, I organised volunteer groups. Right. So it was very much about engaging with the community, attending community councils, um, and, and, and making sure that people knew these sites were looked after uh, mm. by by and who it was that looked after them and who they needed to talk to when there was a problem um, and one of the things that I, I did quite early on was I, I gave regular visitors my work mobile number right so this is the guys I was seeing or the girls the guys got dog walkers and, and people that I was seeing on a regular basis you know yeah. in the park five days and I'd see them five days in a row sort of thing and so what I'd do is I'd give them my work mobile and say you see a problem in the park you phone me Right. Because um, prior to that, they would phone a switchboard, the, a message would get taken, it might, you know, it would trickle, eventually trickle through the system <laughs> in my department. And then when I would pop into the office, I might get a sticky note saying you've got a problem on your site kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So, Far too late. Yeah. So, you know, it would take a while to respond to. So the fact that somebody could phone me at four o'clock in the afternoon and by 10 o'clock the next morning, it's dealt with, you know. Um, so, yeah, that was really good in, in a way of engaging with the local community. Um, they also taught me more about project management. Um, which was something I hadn't done a lot of previously. It was it was putting in for grant applications and seeing projects through from start to finish, that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Um, it was a bit of a shame, though, because with Newcastle, we didn't do a lot of um, school groups. Which is, right. It's just, we didn't, that's just, I think my sites were just a little bit too remote. Right. Interesting. Um, but of course, you do a lot more of that now. Um, so you... Pre- Pre-COVID, yes, we did a lot of educational COVID, yeah. With all these things, yes. So you currently work in Clydemuir Show Regional Park. Uh, yeah, do you, want me, do you want to just tell me a bit about your, what your job entails now? So yeah, um, this is a promotion. So I went from being a ranger to a senior ranger. And uh, I, I definitely suffer from imposter syndrome sometimes because I'm just like... I'm just happy knee deep in mud digging a hole. I don't want to be in charge. Of but, course. Um, yeah. Do you want to just <laughs> maybe, sorry, highlight for the folks, because I know, I don't think um, I've uh, spoke to anyone just um, yet on the podcast, but uh, senior rangers, they don't really exist anymore. Uh, yeah, we're a dying breed. I, you know, there's probably more pandas in Scotland than there are senior rangers. 
What is a what is a senior ranger then? Because we obviously have our seasonals, we have our kind of regular rangers, just uh, to, to a better word, and then um, senior rangers. You sit just kind of directly above. Are you kind of in a manager role of the a ranger group, or are you like a ranger manager? Is... It's it's a little bit of both. So right. I'm expected to do the day to day ranger work, um, but I'm also expected to oversee the team, um, and 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 it's it's you know. I'm very much, I, I like the idea of rather than me just turning up and saying, we're going to do this, 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 and this. I like the idea of very much talking to the team and saying, what is it we, you know, what do you think we should be doing? Is there anything you want to do? Uh, try and keep everybody engaged. Um, but basically the senior ranger post is I get to do all, all the annoying stuff like paperwork. <laughs> okay. Just additional jobs. Yeah, no. Just, yeah, no. additional work, but you get paid extra for it. So, I mean, you know. That's it's complaining, yeah. And it, to be honest, this is about as high as I want to go up in management. I don't <laughs> see myself wanting to go any higher. Um, I'm quite happy with my role at the moment. A bit of, mm. bit of management, a bit of practical work, a bit of uh, engagement work. I get to do a little bit of everything. It's great. Mm, yeah, no, absolutely. How big's your team then? Because obviously, if you're sitting at Senior Ranger, how, how many other people work with you? Not as big as it used to be, unfortunately. Um, so when I first started, I had... Um, two full-time rangers, three seasonal rangers, one beach attendant, and one seasonal beach attendant. Um, And now I have one ranger and one beach attendant. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, yeah, it's just the way things are. All the the posts across the country seem to be in decline, and and we're no exception. Um, There used to be three three senior rangers at Clyde Mearshall, and now the only one left. Mm. Um, And, of course, Clyde Mearshall is a very diverse... um, part of the country um for for anyone that doesn't know where it is do you want to maybe explain kind of the how the land split up and um you obviously mentioned yeah. the beach attendant which is <laughs> like a bit like a camping attendant i, I imagine but for the beach <laughs> of course yeah, indeed indeed so yeah clive Mearshill is uh, the largest of scotland's regional parks i think there's i think there's three um, and they were set up originally before the national parks. So they've been around for a long time and they were, yeah, all the prestige. Uh, they've been around, uh, they were initially set up really to be that green space for urban uh, folks. And, and Clyde Mewshill was a perfect for it because it's, it's an area of, of low-lying hills sort of to the south of the Clyde, right on the, the coast. And um, it's all just hills and moorland uh, and, and locks. So it's a perfect place for as a green space, and it's it's very easy to get to. Um, we're we're only probably forty fifty minutes out of Glasgow, yeah. Uh, and most of the the urban area of Inverclyde is only about fifteen to twenty minutes drive away. Yet when you're up in within Clyde Muirshire Regional Park, you feel like you're a million miles from anywhere. It's it's incredibly uh, remote feeling for a site that isn't that particularly remote. Mm. Um, it, it's it stretches across three council areas. So we've got Inverclyde. North Ayrshire and Renfrewshire and the way the parks run at present is that um, it's run as a regional park authority with each council putting money into the pot mm. and um, and then the sort of the authority is directly managed or the park is directly managed by one of the councils just rather than answering to three political masters you're only answering to one right so Renfrewshire council is what's called the lead authority and, and they take sort of so technically I'm an employee of Renfrewshire council Mm. Uh, but my day-to-day work really is overseen by by the park. Yes. No, um, but the, yeah, it's, it's one of those places, I must admit, I didn't know of it at all growing up, but I must admit, I'm kind of bang in the middle of Edinburgh and Glasgow, and you tend to, when you're in the central belt, you always look up, you look you look to the Fife, Perth, and then uh, the Highlands. You never really explore um, much outside of Glasgow or Edinburgh, to be frank. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing, even with people that I spoke to when I worked with West Lothian Council Ranger Service, um, that said, oh, I didn't know like places like this existed in the central belt, these country parks with trees and forests. Um, I always just assumed that was over the, over the Forth and Fife and Perth. And um, yeah. I, I, I suppose you must get that uh, as well on just a day-to-day basis. We do. I mean, it still shocks me uh, when I speak to people who are relatively local and they'll tell me it's the first time I've ever been there or it's the <laughs> first time they've, they've been up in years. And you just think, it's on your doorstep. Why aren't you here all the time? And, and I honestly, I, when I first moved up here for this post, I honestly, hand on my heart, felt that I'd be at work, you know, doing my shifts. And on my days off, I'll be driving north up into Loch Lomond and the Trossachs, mm. going up to Fort William to get some, you know, bag some big hills up there. <laughs> and, and what I found is 
I'm in the park on my days off. Yeah. You know, from my house, I can, you know, 10, 15 minute walk and I'm on top of a hill with a view of all of the, the sort of the, the, the estuary of, or not the estuary, the, the mouth of the Clyde and all the islands and the peninsula. And it's just, it's mind blowingly beautiful and, and so underrated because people just keep heading up to the Scottish islands, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, what then, I suppose, what were kind of your predominant roles in the park when you had a slightly larger team and then we can maybe touch upon obviously just your day-to-day uh, nowadays so i think it's a, in line with like a lot of range of services a lot of what we're doing is community engagement so I mean, I'm, I'm talking pre-covid this yes. year it's been very much about site maintenance um i mean during during the lockdown we, we've probably seen a, a massive increase in the amount of people using our sites um, especially when you think that nobody's had, or very few people have taken overseas, hol- overseas holidays and everyone's trying to stay local. Mm. Uh, so the massive, massive increase in, in site users. So there's been a, a massive increase in site maintenance requirements. So that's what, what's been keeping me busy most of this year. Uh, but on a normal year, we, we, we were dealing with thousands of school kids descending on the park. You know, it wouldn't be uncommon to have five days in a row and have five school groups in, you know, mm. um, and anything up to sort of two classes at a time so you up to about 50 or 60 kids in a center which is it's a brilliant atmosphere um and like you know this whole idea of capturing the kids young and getting these local kids from local schools and getting them up to the center for a day's outdoor education um that was what we do or what we we did do a lot of in the summer months and then when we weren't doing that it was all about public events so it was the guided walks it was uh, sort of environmentally themed workshops so it could be building bat boxes, hedgehog boxes, uh, owl boxes, re- Christmas wreaths, uh, Halloween events, you know, all the, the, the regular things that you see across stuff. the country delivered yeah. by Ranger Services. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. Sort of from Newcastle where it was lots of site maintenance work mm. with community engagement to here where it's lots of community engagement <laughs> to not as much site work. Um, but yeah, it just shows you the variety of, you know, the priorities for Rangers changes from where you are in the country you know in places I, I must admit though i still see all the time uh you on a maybe a quiet or a rainy day you're quite a craftsy person uh, and you certainly <laughs> still fit in your your site maintenance whenever you can what what are your sort of priorities for site maintenance in the park because I, I see you all the time doing fence work board work repairs just you name it there's just photos of you doing it which i think is fantastic <laughs> just ha- having being able to do that just go out on on a day that you don't have anything else and just focus on something I think when I, I I walk around my site, I try to walk around it a couple of times a week, and it, you know, because it changes from the weather, it changes in the lighting conditions. You know, you see things differently on different days when you walk around, and so I try and see it through the visitor's eyes. You know, I try and see well, you know, if I didn't know this area, what would I, what would I expect to see? What what kind of standards would I expect? Is is the place tidy? Is it well? You know, is are the routes well signposted? You know, are the are the benches and are the tables in good state of repair and all this kind of stuff? And I'll go around with a little notebook. And I'll just make little notes of all the things that I, I see that I'm not happy with. Mm. They go up on the whiteboard. And then when I get five or 10, 15 minutes, depending on how long the job takes, right, I'm going to go off and do this job. I'm going to go off and do this job. So this morning before I talked to you, uh, I, I walked the trail, one of the trails yesterday afternoon, just before I knocked off. Today. And um, I noticed one of the, couple of the drainage ditches were, were starting to build up with silt and leaves yeah. and stuff. So this morning I've been out there before talking to you. I was out digging out all the drains, <laughs> ankle deep in mud. Beautiful, yeah. Uh, it's I suppose that's one of the um, as you mentioned the different uh, your role changes depending on where you you go, and um, a lot more of the practical work that I was able to do in Whistle then I'm now I'm now not doing in Hollywood. And I suppose I've always had that longing for being able to as as you've just done this morning go out and just get focused stuck in on a task and um, work away at it. But I, I think it's a, a fantastic. Thing. Uh, if you had to pick one thing one of your favorite um roles that you currently do and then maybe something you would like to do more of or something you're wishing to be able to do in the future what would those two things be oh my goodness that is a big question mate um <laughs> i mean at the moment i really miss the community engagement side of it mm. um and i mean obviously it's covid everybody's suffering from the same thing but the way we're working at the moment is some days I only see one other member of staff for the whole day. Um, we're like ships in the night. We're passing each other, you know? <laughs> so yeah. I'm, I'm really missing uh, meeting and, and talking with people and promoting my sites. You know, we've had no school children visiting this year. 
Mm. Um, and we are engaging with the public on site. So if we're out and about and we're walking and we're, you know, we're at the visitor centre and we are talking to people, but it's not the same. No. You know, it's not the same sort of pointing people in the right direction or just talking about the things that you've seen for the day as opposed to having a group all day to do a, a whole mixed bag of different environmental themed activities with them. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'm really missing that at the moment. Um, but if there's one thing I could, could do more of, I really don't know. I, I, I quite like the mix that I've got at the moment. You know, I've, I've got the, the senior ranger paperworky side of things, which is great to do when it's raining outside. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But sometimes you can't escape it. It'll be a nice day and you've still, it's just got to be done. It's just, of course. That's, that's the role. But um, I like the fact that my job is so varied. You know, I get to do absolutely all parts of the ranger post and some of the management side of it all mm. as well. So I'm quite lucky, really. Yeah, no, it's, it sounds like it. Of course, you you mentioned even on your days off, you're out in the park. It seems, and you're 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 out and about, just still exploring and climbing the hills as you would in your work days. But you do a lot of voluntary stuff as well. Uh, obviously, mentioned um, you you've been a member of uh, Scran, uh, been with Scran's council far longer than I have. Uh, do you want to maybe talk about your involvement and your interests within Scran? So yeah, for those of you that don't know, Scra is the Scottish Countryside Ranger Association. Uh, probably teaching you all to suck eggs by saying that. But um, <laughs> I'm a huge fan of the idea of of ranger organisations. I think it's 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 a strange job. You know, we're on site often by ourselves or in a, a small team, and we don't see anybody. And it's very easy to get really insular and forget that there's actually a whole group of your peers out there who might have the same issues who are doing the same things as you and, and having that opportunity to meet uh, and, and do things. And, and uh, I think that's what, to me, that's what SCRA is. And it's, it's a one voice for Rangers in Scotland. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm very passionate about what SCRA is and what it can be. And um, I remember the, the previous chair, of, what was it chair? Roger Powell. Mm, yes. Um, and he, he asked me to be on the council. And I think it was not long after I moved up here. So I'd only been in the post maybe about eight or nine months. Right. And I was like, oh, Roger, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, you know, I've just started this job. I've got, you know, all that. I don't know. So I went away and managed to get out of it. And then the next time I saw him, he's like, oh, you sure you don't want to join the council? I'm like, Roger, man, come on. I've got so much. To, you know, I'm, and then the third time I saw him, I just like, all right, okay, fine. I'll join the council. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we kind of felt pre Roger press ganged me, um, but no, I, I, I'm really happy to be part of the council, and it's really interesting to see what's going on in the background. You know, the support that the council has and the work they're trying to achieve. And what amazes me the most is nearly every single member of the council is working. It's yeah. not like the council is part of their job. This is extra work they're taking yeah. to help support their peers across the rest of the country. Mm. You know, it's. Uh, they're, they're, uh, they're such nice people as well and um, we really do have the best the best interests of the the profession you know and the professionalism and the standards you know they're really passionate about it and it's great to see it, it um I, I feel honored to be part of it to be absolutely honest no it's, it's it's really nice to hear um for those of you that do or don't know roger powell is another infamous figure within the ranger the ranger world in scotland and is um again has the senior ranger senior ranger and um yeah. <laughs> I, I was gonna actually I've, I've got him on the the hit list the podcast hit list to to do eventually and i oh, i think fantastic. i had him down as my senior my first senior ranger but you've you beat him to it mike uh, believe it or not wow well, yeah obviously yeah <laughs> Beauty before age, obviously. <laughs> of course, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, if yeah. He, if he the rest this. of you are lucky; you don't you don't get to see this as a video podcast. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> no, and of course, the the gratitudes that you were giving. I hope the box of chocolates and the the bribe that I sent you to say all those wonderful things about Scra. The checks well. in the post, I believe. Uh, oh, checks in the post. <laughs> I think due to COVID times, uh, cash becomes a bit difficult. You see. Uh, <laughs> no, Direct not at all. Transfer. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but of course, additional voluntary work that you do, you mentioned this, again, these SCRA roles are, are very much voluntary. They're not our, what's amazing is, for me anyway, it's the chance to work with an organisation that supports what I do on a day-to-day -day basis, um, it supports the role of a ranger. And, and I don't think a lot of jobs get the opportunity to do that, like work within a, a body that represents their day-to-day -day work, um, which I think, as you said, is really important. Um, but there's lots of other, I suppose, 
professions and other um, services that we work alongside. I mean, we uh, across the country, we work quite closely alongside uh, the Blue Light Services, um, Hillside Rescue, and of course, Lifeboat Services. You've been quite coastal. Um, and I know you've been an active member of the your life your local lifeboat service for quite a while. Do you want to do you want to talk about that? I think it's a fantastic thing. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, so I live in a small town on the west coast of Scotland, and um, I'll be absolutely frank. If there was a mountain rescue team, that would probably be my first my first interest would be mountain rescue. <laughs> but um, my nearest mountain rescue teams are well over an hour's drive away, so I would definitely be arriving at the end of a shout. I probably, <laughs> probably wouldn't be a, a popular member of the team if I was a member of any of the local ones. So um, I was talking to my wife about it, and she said, well, I saw an advert in the, the free local paper that the lifeboat crews were recruiting. Right. And I thought, well, I'll go down and see. <laughs> and that was five years ago. So. <laughs> um, yeah, really nice bunch of guys and girls at the local lifeboat. Um, again, it's, it's a bit like being surrounded by rangers. You know, they're very passionate about what they do. Um, it's really, it really is a mixed bag of, of, of people from totally different backgrounds. Um, yeah. I'm kind of the odd one out in that I have nothing to do with boats or had nothing to do with boats prior to joining them. Right. I could probably point out what an engine was and I could probably <laughs> point out where the front of the boat was but I knew absolutely nothing about boats about boat rescue about sea rescue about tides you know you know anything like that mm. um, and I signed up and I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it totally embraced it and I've been there now this will be my sixth year right um, and I've been on the crew long enough now that they've they've started me to be uh, training to be a crew leader wow Congrats. So eventually, yeah. Yeah, I, would, I would eventually be on calls. I would be taking the boat out with my own crew. Wow. So, uh, yeah. Does <laughs> your... is a big step considering <laughs> I knew nothing about boats five or six years ago. So, yeah, but it just shows you. Yeah, and you've, you've obviously been doing that. I, I'm guessing it's obviously it's on an on-call basis and it's very much alongside your, your ranger, the work that you do on a day-to-day -day basis. Do you think you're experience as a ranger has helped and influenced your your um your work with the the lifeboat service in any way yeah totally so yeah the lifeboats is the rni the royal national lifeboat institute and um definitely i think the skill sets that i have in my my career as a ranger definitely help i mean obviously i, I don't do any sea-based stuff i don't do any rope work as part of my job but i think the ability to engage with people mm. and talk to people and to come across in a professional and a, a calm manner yeah, uh, and a friendly manner, but also quite authoritative, which is it's a strange role, isn't it, with rangers? Because you're not a policeman, you've got no law enforcement abilities, but you sometimes have to talk to people, you know, to, to tell them off. Yes. You know, to, to sort of to have that confidence and, and, and that sense of authority. Um, has definitely helped uh, with the RNLI. Um, and likewise, the stuff that I learned with the RNLI is really helping with my career in, the, in rangering. Uh, the first aid training that we get with the RNLI is, is second to none. Um, definitely better than any first aid course I've ever done prior to being, a, uh, to being in the RNLI. Um, you know, get to administer drugs and, and, and stuff like that, which <laughs> you could never do as part of, of a day-to-day -day yeah. job as a ranger. But yeah. You know, the, just seeing some of the horrible things that <clears throat> can occur at sea yeah, makes I everything else on land look like an absolute doddle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, how do you get somebody with a broken leg off a boat? It's a lot easier to get them off the side of a hill with a broken leg, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it, it's a fantastic service and I love it. But uh, yeah, if you'd asked me, it, would I ever have been a lifeboat crew member? I would have laughed at you. Uh, so it's, it's a bit strange that I am now. <laughs> I mean, in many cases, you've kind of, you, we obviously referring back to the very start when you're talking about the whole military thing, you've almost came full circle in your roles. You're always still doing something without you knowing military-esque or something in that kind of mm. helping people, aiding people, saving people. Um, and I suppose having that, um, obviously growing up in that environment in almost that completely unusual setting back in Germany, you've, you've almost now, you're doing the exact same thing, but in your work and in the Clyde Mirshaw Regional Park. Mm. Never really thought about it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, but you're <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do believe that in a, in a sense of service, I think that everybody, no matter what you do, 
should try and provide a service to your community, um, whether it's a professional role or a volunteer role, or even just as a citizen. Mm, yeah. um, you know, I think that's that's how you make a coherent and, and good society. And you know, it sounds a bit, you know, but if you want you want things to happen, you've got to do them. You know, and you've got to try and lead by example. And I I, I, I do believe in that, and that's what I try and do in my career and and, and personally. You know. Yeah, um, absolutely. I don't always get it right. <laughs> Sometimes I get it very, very wrong. Um, but I, I do try. <laughs> and that's that's all that matters. Yeah. Um, and I think um, a lot of the Rangers out there are certainly, um, it's alongside the voluntary work that they do and the, the service mm-hmm. they provide of Rangers really does make a, a huge difference. Mm. I mean, I, I think about the, the sort of the way I got into Ranger and I mean, sorry, I totally jumping back to it back a little bit, but it feels like it was a really long-winded way for me to get into Ranger, and I don't know if that was just because I was bumbling my way through it, making it up as I went along, and trying to figure it all out, or whether there just wasn't a coherent career path. And I mean, you, you've done a you've done an apprenticeship, haven't you? Um, yeah, no, I, I I obviously came into it via an apprenticeship, which makes the the process a little bit more streamlined. But I'm mm. I'm still very much even after the apprenticeship, I'm I'm now back at almost stage one again, uh, seasonal work and working, trying to yeah. find work wherever it is to then get to a a role that I'm happy with very much like yourself in a in a full time post. And however long that takes or whenever that comes about, um, I, th- I suppose it's it's your interest that keeps you going rather than the the not knowing um if that's ever gonna be achievable or, or actually happen uh, and i don't yeah. think yeah i'm you you you'd much be able to tell me better but um it seems things haven't changed that much since back when you first started off mm-hmm. of that kind of incoherent non-straight path into into the profession and it's certainly something we're kind of hopefully is changing now with new government um kind of plans and policies that are um, hopefully going to shape be that green recovery and the environmental legislations and everything mm-hmm. else um, maybe support that through things like apprenticeships yeah i mean i have to say sort of i follow a couple of the american podcasts and you know i've made friends over the years um mostly through social media with rangers overseas and you look at the way that the program is in america for you know if you want to become a ranger you know there's a whole like ranger school yes there's, you know it, it just seems that they've really thought about the career path from yep. start all the way through you know there's a sense of progression whereas here it kind of like you know you've got to fight tooth and nail to get a, <laughs> a seasonal post and then you, you know it, it's horrible but you go to interviews and you're bumping into the same candidates yeah. that you bumped into the last interview and you're like <laughs> oh my goodness me you know you, you know you don't want to say that they've become your nemesis because they're, <laughs> they're always going for the same jobs as you but it is it's a small world and um it's it's a really really tough gig to get into and i I'm so glad I'm kind of through it and into it now. Of course. But I really, I, I'm, I'll never forget the, the fact that I nearly gave it all up. I was just getting so despondent with it all and so disappointed that I was just not getting a post that I, you know, I nearly threw it all away and said, that's enough. I've had enough. Um, yeah. I'll just keep the outdoor stuff as a hobby and I'll... <laughs> Um, well it just shows you could re- I mean uh, I'm, it does and, I'm, and it still is happening to very many uh, great people that would be a great asset and ally to mm. to rangers and I mean if you had have gave it up um, back then you, you would have never you, uh, things would have never have happened the way they are and you, yeah. um, again you wouldn't be that kind of for me a key figure within the the ranger world in Scotland and you know, the what you bring to obviously Scraz as a, as an organisation and just being that um, that ranger in a lead role in Clyde Muirshell again again we, in our ranger world we split it up into areas of like face familiar faces and important people or i certainly i do and it's how i've um developed my skills and got to know a bit about how the country works in regards to the conservation and environmental stuff um but yeah so you are right though i mean we've we've had i've had seasonals you know i've, I've interviewed people for seasonal posts and it breaks my heart it mm-hmm. really does I've, I've interviewed people and i just thought you would be an absolutely fantastic ranger mm. unfortunately i've only got three posts this year yeah and it, you know and I, I used to remember when I would get the phone call you know to say I hadn't got the job mm. and it always felt like they just wanted to get off the phone as quickly as possible yeah. and say sorry you haven't been successful better luck next time bye yeah and so I've tried when I've phoned people up I don't beat around the bush I get to the point straight away unfortunately yeah. I haven't been successful 
and then I try and stay on the phone with people and I mm. talk to them. Yeah, and I, yeah. I give them my honest opinion. You're like, I'll say, listen, you know, I thought you were brilliant. You know, this is where you were pipped to the post because of this, 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 and this. Yeah. So if you're really wanting to keep Ranger, and I really do hope that you do, because it's a fantastic career, this would be my advice to go going forward. Mm. Um, and I've actually had conversations with people where you think I haven't given you the post, but you know what? That was a really lovely conversation. Yeah, I've just had absolutely. <laughs> um, and I hope you know the people that I've spoken to have, have, have appreciated it because um, I know I would have done if it was me back in the day. Yeah, no, that's that is that's a beautiful thing, and it's it's just shows it's um, the 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 reason uh, the, 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 the lost my words now. Uh, you doing that certainly is is hopefully making a difference, and hopefully encouraging these people to maybe think again or think twice about going again for that that next seasonal role that could really make a difference uh, for them. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think ranges across Scotland. We're in a we're in a very interesting position at the moment. I think our numbers are probably the lowest they've ever been. Mm. For, for a considerably long time uh, it, you know it can be feel very bleak mm. uh, yeah you look at like this the green plan that the Scottish government are talking about and you're looking at the the, the, the aspirations for maybe bringing in more apprentices and you look at the things like this recommendations in the the, the English Glover report yes the idea of there being a national ranger service about there being better access more people employed and looking after these outdoor spaces which have been to be deemed to be important and so there's always that spark of hope. You know, there's this hope that, you know, people keep going on about how important outdoor space is. Well, you know, at, at some point you've got to stop saying they're important and actually prove it and, and put your money where your mouth is. Get those, get those ranges employed, get them on the ground, get these places opened up for people, um, and, you know, and build this, this great green infrastructure that we, we know there could be. Um, and what we need, um, essentially. Mm. Yeah. yeah no. Especially at the moment, the sites are so busy. And you think there's just one or two rangers looking after the site at the moment. You think this is a full-time permanent post for like a team of three just on one site. And rangers are spread across multiple sites. And you're thinking, oh, it's a crazy, crazy time. Absolutely. But um, as you said, hopefully change will come and hopefully in a more positive light and alongside people like yourself and um, the other people that we've, we've talked about on the podcast. Um, little differences go a huge way and if we just keep doing the jobs that we're doing um, hopefully things yeah will will uh, get better um, but no and I think on that note uh, Mike um, yeah thank you very much for for your time I know you're a, again busy man uh, just out this morning probably doing more this afternoon and I know it's been a really um, again with uh, me doing these podcasts actually you being someone I've not actually known a lot about of, I've, I've got a lot out of that and I hope um, everyone listening has as well I do hope I haven't put everybody to sleep. <laughs> no, not at all. Well, much appreciated, Mike. And I will see you hopefully in the near future when uh, all this is over in person. Uh, yes, it's, it's like I said, it's the biggest thing I'm missing at the moment with Scrar is not seeing everybody face to face and just that engagement with your peers. It's, it's good for the soul. <laughs> Great. Right. Thanks, Mike. Catch you later. Cheers, Luke. Thanks very much. Bye now.